You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. A lot we've covered so far, I can only give you just a couple of quick highlights. One very important, prayer is learned. You don't wake up one day as a Christian and have a meaningful, powerful prayer life. It's learned. The disciples, noticing something unique about Jesus' prayer life, ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And in answer, Jesus gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is really a pattern of prayer. A healthy, effective prayer life doesn't just come naturally. It requires discipline, devotion, and practice. In today's message, Pastor Danny will continue to look closely at this crucial element in the life of every believer. Don't neglect it. Be purposeful and set aside time for it. Even with it penciled into your schedule, the enemy will try his hardest to keep you from it. He knows how powerful it is. Don't let him have that small victory. Make quiet, isolated time with God a part of your daily routine. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 1, as he begins his message, Persistence and Prayer. Jake the rancher went one day to fix a distant fence. The wind was cold and gusty and the clouds rolled gray and dense. As he pounded the last nails in and gathered his tools to go, the temperature had fallen and the snow began to blow. When he finally reached his pickup, he felt a heavy heart. From the sound of the ignition, he knew it wouldn't start. So Jake did what most of us would do if we'd been there. He humbly bowed his head and sent up high a prayer. As he turned the key for the last time, he softly cursed his luck. They found him three days later, frozen stiff in that old truck. Of all the saints in heaven, Jake's favorite was Peter. I've always heard Jake said to Pete that God will answer prayers, but one time I asked for help and God just plain wasn't there. Does God answer prayers of some and ignore the prayers of others? That don't seem exactly square. I know all men are brothers. Does he randomly reply without good rhyme or reason? Maybe it's the time of day, the weather, or the season. No, I ain't trying to act smart. It's just the way I feel. And I was wondering, could you tell me, what's the deal? Peter listened patiently, and when Jake was done, there were smiles of recognition. And Peter said, so you're the one. That day, your truck, it wouldn't start, and you sent your prayer a-flying. You gave us all a really bad time with hundreds of us trying. Thousand angels rushed to check the status of your file. But you know, Jake, we hadn't heard from you in a while. And though all prayers are answered and God ain't got no quota, he didn't recognize your voice and he started a truck in North Dakota. (laughs) It's not the norm, 
But we've paused at Mark's gospel, chapter one. Mark chapter one, and we've paused, not normal for me to do so, but not impossible, and we're camped out on this topic of prayer. Verse 35 of Mark chapter one says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. His ministry became so large overnight. Luke chapter 5 tells us that despite everybody demanding his time, he often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed, where he prayed. It was the key to his life. It was the key to his ministry. A lot we've covered so far. I can only give you just a couple of quick highlights. One very important, prayer is learned. You don't wake up one day as a Christian and have a meaningful, powerful prayer life. It's learned. The disciples, noticing something unique about Jesus' prayer life, ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And in answer, Jesus gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is really a pattern of prayer. Our friend Daniel Henderson likens it to the most basic beat in music and the 4-4 pattern of music dividing the Lord's Prayer into those four parts. The first is reverence. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Doesn't mean that you can't in a moment of need just cry out to the Lord in need. But in this pattern for prayer, we, we need to understand that the priority, and, and, and this needs to happen regularly, is to reverence him. Holy is your name. The second stroke is response. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Jesus prayed in the garden, if there's any other way, Father, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, yours be done. The goal as a Christian ought to be to want the will of God accomplished. But that's a challenge too, because many times it means our suffering and our sacrifice. So reverence and then response. The third is request. I'm only really ready to ask God for things, etc. when I've reverenced him and I say, I want your will. I, you know, not just what I think and what I want, but your will. Give us this day our daily bread. That's the word of God. And that's also everything to sustain us to live out the will of God through our lives. And then the last is readiness. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Lord, we need you to lead us. We need you to guide us. We need your help. Without your leading and your help, we won't make it. So prayer is learned. Prayer requires a clear mind, very practical aspect of a powerful, meaningful prayer life. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, be clear-minded so that you can pray. Paul wrote in Acts chapter 24, verse 16, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Could be a whole message in itself, but listen, if you're not right with God, 
You have no powerful, meaningful prayer life. And some of us, we know there's sin in our life and we need to get right with God. And until we get right with God, there is no powerful, meaningful prayer life until we get right with God. It is what it is. And then we're right with God, but we're not right with somebody. Could be our wife, our husband. Could be another Christian, could be somebody at work. And Jesus said, you, you come and offer your gift at the altar and you re- realize when you're there, there's something needs to be done in regard to a brother or a sister. Leave your gift, go be reconciled. Now we're talking about what we have control over. We can't control the other person. Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. So clear mind, right with God right with one another. And, and I hope you can appreciate, I certainly do, that's a daily thing. You can be right with God today and out of fellowship tomorrow. You can be right with your wife or your husband today and be out of fellowship tomorrow. So it's a daily challenge, right? We understand that. I see you nodding. All three of us nodding. Yeah. <laughs> I know we understand that. Okay. So clear-minded. Prayer requires discipline. And on this point, I'm not going to hurry. I'll never give you everything in my notes. I usually don't. You should be thankful for that. But discipline, one of the things that helped me years ago, these are copies uh, of journals, prayer journals. Uh, I started in 1991 uh, at the encouragement of a friend of mine, a pastor, Pastor Peter Lord. I just want to say a couple of things. One is I look at some of your faces and I realize how long you've been part of this fellowship and I've been your pastor, senior pastor. I'm the main guy in the main mouth. People that have been around for a long time, I just want to tell you, I'm tired of hearing me. I'm tired of hearing me. Sometimes I I stand up here while I'm teaching and say, I wish that guy'd shut up so I can go eat. And then I realize it's me. But if there's one thing you get today, if there's one thing you'll get at this point, and don't listen to anything else and just snooze until the the service is done. It'll be worth it. If you get this point, it'll be worth it. Something I began to do in 1991 at the encouragement of Pastor Peter Lord is journal. I want to tell you, I am the most least likely person to journal. That's just not the way I'm wired. I used to think people that talked to me about journaling inside, I'm talking about other Christians. I'd honestly think they're a sissy. (laughs) Girls, it's okay, but guys journaling, that's the way I thought. It has been one of the most helpful things for me in regard to discipline in my prayer life. I've talked to so many people. I was one of them. I still am. Uh, So many times you start to pray and your mind just wanders and you can't stay focused. Journaling helps me to stay focused. Now, not everybody journals in the same way, but I want to take the time, and I'm not showcasing my spirituality. That is not my point, all right? But let me just give you just how simple it is. It's not complicated. 1991. Dear Father, it seems like so long since I've really taking the time to sit down without having to watch the clock and just spend some uninterrupted time with you. I think it was a day off. I'm thankful that I can do that this morning. I want to come to you first and foremost to fellowship, not to petition you for needs and things. There's the 4-4 pattern being worked out. Lord, I want to seek you first. 
I do confess I have requests for you, but I pray you'd help me to keep those things secondary and you and me first. I love you, Father. You've been so good to me. I'm determined not to cry when I read this. You're amazingly faithful and truly your mercies are new every morning. What a comforting thought, Lord. You're a most wonderful God. There's none like you. Amen. Thank you for the beauty we experienced in California. I just come back from a conference in California. And thank you for the majestic clouds of the past few days. I came back and it was majestic clouds here in Florida. Father, I'm baffled in trying to imagine you being more glorious than your creation. God had just spoken to me in my spirit before I did this based on scripture. And he said to me, I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was clearly the Lord. He said, I'm more glorious than my creation. And I was meditating on that. I said, that's mind boggling. I can't wait to see you. And then I don't always list every prayer request, all right, but it helped me in doing prayer requests because it kept me focused. And I, I prayed for Wendy and Tanner. I only had one child at the time. Tanner was very young, 1991. I prayed for my brother Dwight. I prayed for my brother Jimmy, my brother Eric, specific prayers. I prayed for a lady in our church that was a part of our fellowship from the first couple of months when I became pastor all the way back to Sons of Italy days. And she was going through struggles and I was praying for her specifically. And I just listed that and it helped me stay focused. 1993. Thank you, Father. Uh, Dear Father, thank you for such a wonderful day. I feel guilty sometimes because you placed me in a land without war, literal war. I do not know what it's like to be at war. Oh, Father, help me never to take for granted this privilege and blessing. And Father, use me that from this land of peace, I might give comfort and aid to those in lands of war. You know, God's answered that prayer. Me as a pastor in our church, we've been able to do that. What incredible resources we have, uh, you have given America. May we use them to glorify your name and to reach a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, God was teaching me to be thankful for things that I normally take for granted. And so my next line goes like this. Thank you, Father, for a very good night's sleep, for the warm shower. I had just been to Russia, and the showers were ice cold. There was no warm water. I didn't take a shower. I think I took two showers while I was there over two weeks. My wife wasn't there. It was okay. And I appreciated more than ever a warm shower. So I thank God for the warm shower. I thanked him for breakfast, time with my family, transportation to the office. I didn't have to walk. I had a car. I took that for granted so many years. This cool cup of water, my house, my office, my staff, the family, Calvary Chapel. I prayed for Calvary Chapel. God was really beginning to plant Calvary Chapels all over the place in the United States and around the world. 1997. Very important time in my life. My daughter, Audra, was seven months old. We have four children, our three boys, and we finally got the girl. Thank God. And so you won't be surprised at a couple of lines here. And I'm not reading you all the journal. I'm just reading you excerpts. 1997, what a glorious day. I'm a new man due to my repentance last night. You know, sometimes pastors need to repent. I'm not going to tell you what I repented of, but I repented. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace. Thank you for forgiveness and renewal. May you be glorified in my life this day and always. I love you, Lord. Thank you for my wife and family. Guess what the next line is? My children are six, four, two, and baby. And my next line is, may you grant me patience with my children. (laughs) Those are the kind of things you journal when you have four children those ages. May you guide Calvary Chapel. May may you expand ministry. May finances increase that ministry might also increase. God's answered that prayer. 
Send forth laborers into the harvest field from Calvary Chapel. God's answered that prayer. We have people from our fellowship all around the world. April. This month. Thank you for another day to live. I love you. I'm amazed at your grace. I'm not going to cry. That's your grace on my behalf. You've sustained me, protected me, and blessed me and my family, and I close out. Give me wisdom to lead Calvary Chapel, especially in these later years. Bless the leadership. Pour out your spirit. Revive us. Do a fresh work. Journaling, it helped me. It's a great tool to discipline yourself in regard to prayer. I recommend it to you. It's made such a difference in my life. If you'll do that, at this point now, if you'll determine to do that, you can sleep the rest of my time in chair. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Do not answer audibly. Here's the invitation right now. But I'm not done. This is the invitation, though. If you do not already have a time, and, and listen, it does not have to be limited to this, but the Scripture bears out that the first and most important place I believe the Scripture bears out is in the morning, before you go into the day. Jesus said every day has enough evil. All these, all these journals, every one of these journals that I've recorded, these are morning journals. Not that you can't have an evening journal or a lunch journal. You can have whatever journal you want. These are morning. Time's in the morning with the Lord. What time do you have scheduled? Because while 1 Thessalonians says pray without ceasing, that's to be always in an attitude of prayer. Prayer should be scheduled, and you won't pray without ceasing. I don't believe the way you should unless you have a scheduled time. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. And if you normally get up at this time, and I, I know I'm talking to some people, some Christians who love the Lord, but you've never developed this. And your normal day is you get up and you got just enough time to get ready and head off to work or, or take care of the children or whatever it is your daily routine is, and you don't have as time set aside for the Lord. Right now, how much time would you commit tomorrow and make it a daily goal? You got Saturday off or whatever your day off is. You don't take a day off from the Lord. You want to spend time with the Lord that day as well. You might need to spend time that day more than you do the day that you work. Because bad things can happen when you got time off. <laughs> what time? Now, some of, you, some of us get emotional and go, I'm going to start spending three hours every morning with the Lord. Well, if you can do that, especially from the get-go, God bless you. I'm not going to hang out with you, but God bless you. Because <laughs> that's probably not realistic. You know, I started with like 15 minutes when I first started having a daily devotional life. And I, I missed some days. That's just, I missed some days. Sometimes I overslept. Okay, that's just reality. But the goal is every day. What time tomorrow and what's your goal to daily spend time with the Lord? And I recommend again, try journaling. If you make that decision right now, then you don't have to listen to the rest of the message. My intention was to teach on intercessory prayer. And at exactly 1023 Saturday morning, <laughs> I felt the Lord lead me differently. And I trust I've followed the Lord. He took me to Luke chapter 18. And it's a parable on prayer. A parable is a story from everyday life meant to teach us valuable lessons. It goes like this, verse 1 of Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. 
He said in a certain place there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find this kind of faith? Because we know from the scriptures that ultimately things will go from bad to worse to cataclysmic and it will just be awful on this planet. And in the context of the parable, knowing that, Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth that keeps crying out and calling out and trusting God and praying? Now, some real quick things. The unjust judge is not like God. And you could flip it around. God is not like the unjust judge. James chapter 1 tells us that he is a father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. I hope you appreciate that, that God's not like us. He doesn't have a moody day, you know, where he's like, well, he's kind of moody today, so he's not going to be as nice to us. God doesn't change like that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. 1 John 4, 8 tells us very simply, God is love. I like to say, if you ever doubt God's love for you, just look at the cross. Romans puts it this way. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? We're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Paul said, all things are yours. The widow has an adversary. I'm probably not going to say anything that those of us that have been in good Bible teaching circles have not heard before. But just a reminder, sometimes we need to hear the same things again. We have an adversary. The widow had an adversary. Our adversary, Peter tells us, is the devil. And he roams about the earth and he's looking for someone to devour. He's looking for believers. He's already got unbelievers. And what does he want to do? Well, lots of things. Anything he gets permission to do, but he wants to rob us of our faith and trust. If he can get permission from God, like Satan got permission to get at Job, he wants to get at me just as much as he wanted to get at Job, and he wants to get at you. And when those things happen, and we go, what in the world is going on? Why this and why that? Then, then, hey, we realize, or we should, but sometimes we forget. Wait a minute, we have an adversary. We have an adversary, a real adversary, a real devil. Now, the widow ultimately gets justice, but we are not told how long she persisted before she got justice. We aren't told how long. But she persisted with the unjust judge. And finally, just to get her off of his back, he says, I'm going to just take care of her need and take care and, and get justice. Now, what's justice? It's making right wrong. 
Whatever the wrong is, make it right. We live in a world, listen, we live in a cursed world. We live in bodies that still have sin dwelling in our members and there's a lot of wrong. That's the world we live in. Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this study of the book of Mark, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again, Jesus showed himself as a servant throughout his life here on earth. He was a prime example of what we should strive for as we live our days to the best of our ability. Most times, serving comes at a cost or a sacrifice for those you're serving, but it's worth it in the end. Jesus exemplified this with his sacrifice on the cross, serving us in the most ultimate life-altering way. We trust that this gives you hope, perseverance, and an ambition to serve those around you in a way that reflects Jesus to others. If you want to hear this teaching in the Book of Mark again, you'll find it by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We also invite you to join our Bible reading program. Also under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, we'd be happy to meet you at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and learning more on The Living Word.